The alarm clock rang at 5.30, as it did every morning. Trask started a pot of coffee, gulped down a large glass of orange juice, then headed for the shower. He set the water at just the safe side of scalding and stood under the jet, preset at the intensity of a fire hose. Once the heat and water massage had completely awakened him, he dried and threw a towel around his waist. He looked in the mirror, taking inventory. Overall, he was still comfortable with what he saw. Appearance was critical in his business. A good first impression was one of the keys to a successful courtroom presentation. He was thirty-four, and his front hairline was starting to retreat a little, while his waistline was starting to advance. He couldn't do anything about the former, but he resolved to add another set of crunches when he got home that night and to lay off the fries at lunch. There were the first hints of graying around his temples, but that didn't concern him. It might even add some credibility points with a juror here or there. In the walk-in closet he studied his three new suits, looking for something suitable for his first day in the new division. He was finally going back to trial work after two years in the appellate cloisters. Pulling out a single-breasted charcoal number, the ever-appropriate white Oxford shirt, and a subdued maroon tie, he chuckled. Fashion dilemmas were new. For the past seventeen years, counting his time at the Academy, he'd worn nothing but Air Force blue. The appellate division hadn't required anything but slacks and a blazer, except for the occasional oral arguments. His one navy blue pinstripe had been adequate. Trials required several suits for several days, however, so he had spent the weekend shopping in the local malls, hunting for acceptable matching separates. Even the so-called athletic-cut suits didn't come in forty-six chest and thirty-four waist sizes. He headed back toward the kitchen, smelling that the coffee was ready. The apartment was a modest one-bedroom, the furnishings spartan. He had a bed, a dresser, and an armoire in the bedroom. The living room contained a large-screen TV, a huge stereo, a cabinet for all the discs and tapes, one recliner, and a homemade coffee table he had thrown together with some two-by-fours and lag bolts. There wasn't much room for anything else, since the Bowflex exercise machine took up half the room. Typical bachelor pad. He'd heard that from every female who had ventured past his doorway. There were a couple of nice watercolors on the wall, created by his father in the course of a lifelong career as an art professor. He had also put up a fairly impressive I Love Me section, including the citations for several meritorious service medals, law school awards, and athletic trophies. In the center was the Air Force Academy diploma. The display's primary purpose had been to take up space on the bare walls. Its secondary purpose was to catch the eye of any female who might enter the room. So far, there had been very few. He wondered if his standards were too high, or if he was starting to lose it. Maybe he had just been too damn busy. Leaving the apartment at 6.15, Trask headed out of Waldorf toward the capital. He pulled the jeep onto Highway 5 and groaned when he saw the traffic. For a sleepy bedroom suburb in historic southern Maryland, the place was getting crowded. Trask cursed himself for not shelling out a few hundred more a month for something close to a metro access. On a typical morning, it could take him ninety minutes to drive the twenty-five miles to the office. On a bad morning, when the traffic system of the nation's seat of government snarled, it could take more than two hours. Some genius had decided years ago 
that it would be a good idea to merge I-95, the eastern seaboard's main north-south artery, with the Capitol Beltway, which had become Washington's main street. Now all it took was one semi-trailer jackknife to turn his commute into an obscene crawl. At the first opportunity, Trask detoured south on a farm road he'd discovered and wound his way down to the Indian Head Highway. He flowed north with the traffic past Bowling Air Force Base, crossed the Anacostia River on the Douglas Bridge, and headed up South Capitol Street. Looking up at the Capitol building as he crossed the eastern edge of the mall, he felt a little awe at his new station in life. He glanced down at his credentials on the seat beside him. United States Department of Justice was embossed in gold on the black wallet-style cover. The leather was still crisp.